Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we are taking a deep dive into program periodization, specifically talking about uh, progressive overload, which is the number one most important principle in strength training, in any training whatsoever. We're going to talk about how to level up your programs, how to level up your training. Let's go. What's up, everyone? If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. Yarn is across the table from me, and my name is Rad Burmeister. We are Unity Gym experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. You can get daily coaching by us, plus our epic program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, you can use the link in the description to get your first month free. But today we have a very, very special announcement. Because we've completely rebuilt the UMS from the ground up based on our long-standing tribe members' feedback, which was that they found the workouts were just taking a little bit too long for them. They weren't as efficient as they'd like them to. We've rebuilt the program with one hour follow along workouts. It's exactly the way that we do it at the gym. So like our at home workouts where we do a follow along workout where you just press play and join in with me. The UMS now has follow along workouts. And this weekend, we're doing it as a flash sale where you can grab the phase one UMS for $47 and you will own it forever. You don't need to subscribe. This is the only chance you're ever going to get to be able to try the UMS out without subscribing to the program. Own it like an NFT. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Now, before we get started, warm welcome if you're on the uh, live stream on our YouTube channel here. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact. All right, let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> and we'll send some love back to our UMS uh, Movement Mastermind. We are uh, linking to the Facebook group. Uh, get yourself over here. Uh, we've just been getting a much bigger live audience over here on YouTube. So we've decided to start streaming these to YouTube and uh, posting the replay. But you can just click that link and jump on over. And if you have, warm welcome to you. Uh, remember, Tribe, we've actually ju- we've actually gained, we've had a massive um, uh, hit of new subscribers uh, today. We've had about 45 new subscribers today. So welcome if that's one of you. If you do jump on this live stream, introduce yourself in the comments. We'd love to know where you're tuning in from. Uh, efficiency is key. Efficiency has always been key here at Unity Gym because we have a... Um, uh, we're, we're in a very, very dense, densely populated office corporate uh, environment here. We have a very um, high socioeconomic environment with um, corporates who really need to get their workout done and dusted quickly in, in between 45 and 60 minutes. <coughs> and uh, so, you know, initially when we first launched our, U, um, our UMS online coaching, we were really excited because we were able to um, finally produce a program that we kind of did. And it was kind of an amalgam- amalgamation of Rad's, mine and Richard's, uh, um, uh, the way we trained, what we liked. But what resulted was a, a two or three hour workout in some cases for mm-hmm. some people. And um, and it was a completely different program and experience to what we do in the gym here. In the gym, over the last eight years, we've iterated upon iteration to create the most efficient, balanced workout you can possibly get that that, de- that delivers on the promise of delivering strength, flexibility, and fitness in every workout and progressively overloads the body. Um, and today's discussion on program periodization and the use of overload methods to continually level up is going to have a real big uh, efficiency emphasis. So it's important, uh, and it's uh, that that we make you know make that point off the bat. Uh, and the reason uh, um, 
why is because like anything, I'm drinking a cup of coffee here and I'll, I'll use the analogy here. The first time you ever had a strong cup of coffee, you probably got a bit of a rush from it. You would have experienced that uplifting, you know, caffeine hit. Uh, and over time, as you drink more and more coffee, your body adapts, your metabolism adapts to the caffeine and it slowly doesn't have as much of an effect. You know, if you don't believe me, go off coffee for a couple of weeks and then try it again. Have the same amount of coffee that you're having today and it will knock your socks off. You know, the same thing happens to most um, things that we expose our body to, including exercise stimulus. Our body adapts and that's what we want. You know, we want it to adapt. Unfortunately for us over time, that either means that we need to, just like coffee, drink more of it, have more exercise, which, you know, either elongates the workout, makes it a lot longer and less efficient, or we have to figure out how to get more out of our workouts. We have to uh, improve the efficiency of the workouts. And we do that with the introduction of overload methods. But surprisingly, what Rad Richard and myself have found, uh, uh, and it was really a lesson 20 years in the making for myself and, and probably Rad, and, and, and uh, Richie's maybe a few years younger than us in training age because he's 10 years younger than uh, us. But it was a, a long lesson to learn. And we only learned this lesson a couple of years ago in Unity Gym, watching our tribe members and interacting with some really high level coaches and physiotherapists is that before we even dabble in this stuff, it's really important that we point out that the beginner lifter yields the biggest result from optimizing technique. Why don't you explain a little bit about that? Well, I think the, the biggest, I think first you have to talk about how people go wrong with this because the problem is that my, my observation of what goes on in gyms and with training, and it was certainly the same way for me, like my early years in training was in martial arts. Um, and when you do martial arts, you go into a martial arts school and you look around at what everybody's doing and you always look at the senior students, you look at what the senior students are doing and of course you think, well, that's what I wanna do because I wanna be able to do that. And I remember um, once I w became an instructor and I was one of the senior students at the Kung Fu Academy that I um, stayed with for a decade. And I remember when one of the students came in, um, so you know we have a, a teacher there, or, or, or in Chinese you call it Sifu, and he taught the instructors and the senior students, there was only about eight of us, and then we taught everybody else, the beginners. And I remember one time before one of the classes that I was doing, I was finishing up my training and I was doing one of the forms and one of the um, beginners came up to me and said, oh, when can you learn that? That's, that's what I came here for, I wanna learn that stuff. And that was the first time that it really hit me, the mistake that what people make and, and that I'd made the same mistake as well, where you think that, you know, you watch something that an advanced student is doing and you think that the way that you, you get there is to practice that thing that they're doing. Um, and it's not, you have to do all of these steps along the way. So if you bring that back into gym training, what, what goes on in a gym is, you know, think about, maybe you can relate to this. And I'd argue that nine out of 10 people that have been going to a gym for years, if you're honest with yourself, you'll relate to this. The first time you went to the gym, you either went by yourself or with a friend. If you went with a friend, the friend either knew as little as you did or knew more than you did. Slightly more. Slightly more. <laughs> and that friend that, knew, that, that, that friend that knew slightly more than you learned the same way that I'm about to describe here, which is you go into the gym, you don't know anything, you look at the people that you think know more than you that have been there for, for longer than you and you copy them. And so that's where people start lifting way too much weight for what they, they can lift. That's why people develop these squats where they can barely go 
past parallel, but they boast about how they can lift, you know, one and a half times their body weight or whatever. Or people talk about how they can do five or, or eight pull-ups and you get them, you show them what one pull-up actually is. From you show them start hang. from a yeah. dead hang um, with your arms completely straight and your shoulders elevated and then depress your shoulders and pull your chest to the bar and they can't do one pull-up. But then they go, no, 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 I can, we'll, just, we'll just, you know, watch, I'll just get my chin above the bar, but that's not what a pull-up is. And so... The problem in all these scenarios is that you've got people that aren't understanding what go, what the biggest, uh, where the biggest gains that you have are, which is it's not about learning the moves that the advanced student at the Kung Fu Academy can do. And it's not about training the same way that you see somebody in the gym training that you want to be like. It's about understanding that the first thing you have to learn is learn how to do things the right way. And only when you know how to do it the right way and knowing how to do it isn't a less, it's not a verbal lesson. I'm not talking about when somebody explains it to you and you go, ah, I know how to do it the right way, now I'm gonna go and do it. It's under, that's understanding how to do it the right way. What I'm talking about is teaching your body how to do it the right way through repetitions. And <clears throat> whether this is true or not, um, a lot of people have probably heard that analogy, it takes 3,000 repetitions of something before you really know how to do it. And that does make sense to me because that meant if you went to the gym and you did Let's, let's give a really extreme example. Let's say you did 10 sets of 10 reps. So you, you did 300 reps in one workout. That would mean that you'd have to do that workout 10 times before you got to a point where you understood that. And that makes sense to me. Yep. That, that makes sense. So if you halve that, let's say you did five sets of 10 reps, well, you'll need to do that workout yep. 20 times before your body really starts to understand that. But here's the kicker. You've got to do it the right way for 3,000 repetitions. Let, let's say that that number is true. Yep. You've got to do it the right, it's not just about doing it, it's about doing it the right way and this is where people go wrong. Yeah, 100%. And you know, we've had this discussion with so many people and we've seen it firsthand when they come to the gym and we, we um, dial in their technique, optimize their technique and uh, they get stronger and they go, oh wow. But then on flip side, we've had people go, wow, when I do the technique right, I can't lift as much, like in the squat, the squat's a great example, you know, if I do it right and I maintain really good form and technique right the way through every rep, I'm intentional with my end ranges, all these little cues that we talk about in the Unify Movement System, uh, then you, that they tend to have to drop the weight right back and build themselves up again because, yeah, they realize, wow, you know, I couldn't even do one rep properly, you know, at the weight that I was attempting initially, you know. So it's a big, it's a big kick to the ego when you when you first come in and, and start to optimize your technique. But you know, on the plus side, it, it is a much better way to keep doing things for a long period of time. It's it's the key to longevity, you know. And very quickly, just for those of you who don't train in the gym who might be tuning in and listening. Uh, it's the same for running. You know, recently, last year, I set myself a goal to do a distance run. I haven't di done any distance running for about a decade. And the, the, the first and like three months of my training was just about optimizing my stride and conditioning my body, con uh, conditioning all of the joints and the tissues for impact again. Uh, and so, you know, there's no cardiovascular training getting done. There's no VO2 max training getting done. There's no muscle buffering uh, training being done yet. It's all just foundation conditioning. And that means really slow running at a, at a really slow, it, it actually, for me, it actually meant starting walking because you're not allowed to go over about 130 beats per minute heart rate. Uh, I wanted to stay within 110 to 130 beats. And you get a little bit of adaptation to the cardiovascular system, but it's <coughs> minuscule, you know. But what's happening is you're, you're, you're getting your stride right. You're con conditioning all the tissues again for, for that type of um, stimulus. 
and you're making sure that you don't pick up an injury, which is, of course, going to stifle your ability to compete at anything, you know. And that happens in any sport, any type of exercise. You have to first optimise your technique. And so if we, if we can assume that everyone's absorbed that and, and swallowed that and probably swallowed their pride at the same time, because a lot of people will, will have to. Yeah, but the big, the, I think the biggest problem is that it's, it's human nature to not do this. And we're living in an era where... There is this massive, massive change that's going on in the world right now. And it's all because of the internet. Because if you went back to when Yanni and I started our training, and maybe even Richard, you couldn't, YouTube wasn't even a thing. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't find information even if you wanted to. Like we, you know where I used to get my training tips from and what I wanted to strive from the video store from hiring Jet Li and Bruce Lee movies because yeah. that was all I could get. Yeah, I remember YouTube, yeah. I remember when I found in Chinatown that they had um, shops there where you could buy DVDs of, of Chinese yeah. martial artists training and I was like I was in a, a, a lolly shop you know or a toy store as a kid yeah. I couldn't believe that you could get this stuff so the idea that you can now search for things on YouTube is just so revolutionary. Yeah. So there's an opportunity there that was never there when I started my journey. But you have to make sure that you listen to the lessons that are being taught by people like us. I think that's a really important thing. And the biggest thing is shelving your ego. It's accepting that when you, if you look at somebody that can do something that you want and you can't yet do, you've got to respect that there was a journey that got you there. Otherwise, anyone would be doing it. So yeah what Yanni just said I just wanted to drive that home you know you really need to absorb this and go okay so when I go to the gym I shouldn't be lifting heavy weights no you shouldn't not if you're at the start of the journey you should be doing the technique and getting it right and you should be getting coached by somebody yeah, that need, knows what they're doing. You need someone who really knows what they're doing at that stage to be yeah. able to show you. Um, it's what, not, it, you know, and, and you need to get on the, on, like on the go feedback. You need to be able to post a video uh, and, and get them to critique you and say, do this, do that, tweak this, tweak that. Uh, and that really is the first 12 weeks of your training, you know, mm -hmm. and we do for us, it's really straightforward. We have 15 fundamental movement patterns that we optimize. Uh, and of course, that includes the bench press, the barbell back squat, uh, the front squat, the overhead press. Uh, and, you know, there's a whole bunch right down to the pro the fundamental um, stability exercises like a dumbbell external rotation from the knee, all that sort of thing. And then once we've done so, once we have, we feel like the uh, the individual, the athlete, whoever is is optimised in those fifteen fundamental movements, then the next step in progressive overload, and and we'll just very quickly, why don't you just very quickly um, frame what progressive overload means? So my favourite explanation of this was by a dude that did a TED talk on um, glute activation and how it relates to lower back strength. And the way that he described it is he said, if you go to the gym and you pick up two 10 pound dumbbells and you do bicep curls and the most that you can do is eight reps, you can't do nine to save your life and you do three sets of that and you do that twice a week. And then after t several weeks, let's call it two or three weeks, now you can do 10 reps with the 10 pound uh, dumbbells on the bicep curls and you can do three sets of that. So now all of a sudden you pick up the 12 and a half pound dumbbells and you go back to eight reps and you repeat that process again, that's progressive overload. It's, it's progressively overloading your body. So overloading means, you know, going, I don't necessarily like the word failure because it doesn't um, 
there's a place to, to describe progressive overload and failure in the same sentence, but that's not what it is. It's overloading the tissues in your body so that they adapt and you're progressively overloading it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of comments coming through and we will get to them in a sec. Um, but uh, uh, if you haven't already, smash that like button if, you, if you're into this and you want to learn more about progressive overload tribe. We've, we've got some so, good, let, let's just quickly um, just jump in on some of the um, comments here. So IBTT is saying that I can relate. When I first started going to the gym and Pilates class, I hurt my lower back so much copying the advanced people, yet I thought it was effective because it hurts. And, and that's, you know, what a really, really common mistake, Ivy, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to share something with you here. This idea that it hurts, it must be working, or it doesn't hurt, it's not working, is one of the biggest fallacies in the, in the fitness space. And it's something that unfortunately has been, you know, propagated by, you know, so-called fitness experts um, in things like CrossFit, like CrossFit classes, I should say, um, you know, uh, boot camps, you know, any of these classes where it's this go hard or go home style mentality. And we've had people come to Unity Gym where they were, they were experienced, they were fit, they were quite, had a good physique, but as far as the fundamental movements that Yanni was talking about, they were poor. And when we t basically, and we, we've, you know, wrap your head around this, I'll never forget this. We had a dude come in where when we started saying, you know, you've got to do some shoulder press, and they said, man, I can't shoulder press. I said, why not? He said, I fucked my shoulders at CrossFit. And I said, okay, cool. Well, let's do X, Y, and Z. We're going to, you know, bring it back a bit. We're going to work on the mobility. We're going to open up your shoulders and we're going to do this. And after a month, he said, it's just not challenging me enough, man. I'm, I'm going to go back to something that pushes <laughs> something me. Something that hurts me. I'm all like, that's literally why you're yeah. hurt because you never did this stuff. So that's yeah. a, that's a really This ties thing. in with what Oscar's saying here. The thing is how to avoid the do this and get six pack abs and huge arms when you start and want results straight away. The problem is what you've finished that sentence with. You want results straight away. Yeah. There, anyone who peddles any, sh any BS that you can get results straight away with strength training, uh, 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 with any training is uh, that should set off a red flag immediately, yeah. you know, because the reality is, is that what we're talking about today, this concept of progressive overload and all these physiological adaptations that need to occur they take time mm -hmm. so what you need to first establish is a realistic time horizon with anything that you're doing whether it's trying to accumulate and amass wealth or save money or buy a house or build a body uh, you know your time horizon is really important and and I and and if you're not if you're not expecting to be in it for 12 to 24 months you're probably not very realistic you know especially if you're coming from an absolute beginner level you need to really understand that to do anything that to, to achieve anything really noteworthy and worthwhile is going to take you 12 to 24 months so just embrace that and embrace just turning up and doing the work you know uh, because that is you know, going to be key. Otherwise, you you try and get in this race to achieve something stupidly fast, and you will do what IVTT is saying there. You try and mimic people that are way ahead of you. You know, and it, there's just no. There's, and this is what I want to talk about now. Um, every progressive overload method that we talk about today, every overload method that we talk about, it has to come in sequence. It has to come one after the other. And if and any interruption to the sequence, you, it's like hitting the reset button. You have to go back to step one. So, you know, once you've optimized technique, if you've really truly optimized technique, then most of the time, it's kind of like riding a bike. You know, you get to a point where moving a barbell from A to B, your bar path will be beautiful. It's very rare that you need to go back and revisit. Sometimes you do, sometimes you do, but it's very rare that you need to go back and rebuild that and re-optimize your technique. 
if you do it properly at the at the beginning, you know, with a good coach. But uh, from there, when you start to introduce um, overload methods, the very first step after optimized technique is to learn to use basic loading variables. So understanding how to manipulate tempo, understanding how to manipulate time under tension with your sets, with your reps, with your uh, tempo, with the rest intervals, with the recovery intervals after sets, and also how to put together a program split that's going to um, uh, optimize super compensation, you know, maximize the 70 two-hour supercompensation strength curve, adaptation curve. And that sort of stuff is kind of where most personal trainers end. That's where most coaches sort of get the, an understanding of and then they that's it. They don't really understand how to take it beyond there. And so when we talk about going further today, if, you, if it baffles you, if it overwhelms you, don't worry. Most people are sort of overwhelmed by this stuff. I know a lot of personal trainers. I was one of them for many years who didn't get this stuff, who, who really didn't have a good understanding of uh, program periodization and, and, and overload methods. So you're certainly certainly not alone, but you can get a lot of great results by following those first two steps. Optimize your technique and then learn to build proper programs using the program variables, the overload variables like sets, reps, tempo, rest, recovery between exercises or workouts, and how to put a good program mm. split together mm. for, for your goals, whether it's running, whether it's strength training, whether it's CrossFit, whatever, you know. Uh, those are the two first steps and they're both really, really important. And then from there, it starts to get a little bit more fun. And, and we, we've been writing about this in the inner circle emails all week. Um, the first overload methods that we introduce is actually what we're doing right now, which is the use of interset overload methods, I-N-T-E-R set overload methods, which is where you start to uh, manipulate the variables on the set and exercise selection level. So the most classic example that most people who've trained in gyms will, uh, will know is a superset where we pair two exercises together. You can do opposing muscle groups or the same muscle group, most commonly the same muscle group, with a maximum of 10 seconds. Sometimes people blow it out to 30 seconds for a strength superset um, between those two exercises. So on the, on the base level, on the foundation level, what that's doing is it's improving workout efficiency. It's, it's getting more out of the time that you're spending in the gym because you're no longer resting 60, 90 uh, seconds or 120 seconds between those two exercises. You're grouping them together. So you're increasing the volume. You're increasing the time under tension very commonly used for muscular hypertrophy you know in the at-home workouts the, uh, this month if you guys are, are, are up to phase five we're using tri-sets as a hypertrophy method you know and they are destroying us I'm doing a tri-set with the gym equipment Rad's doing the tri-set in the at-home workouts this is a basic overload method but it's flooring us, you know? And the reason is because very few people do the train at this intensity for long enough where the, the, the chips fall into place and you get up to the really advanced stuff that I spoke about that I'm going to uh, talk about in today's email that's going out to our Inner Circle Tribe, which you guys can all subscribe to if you download one of our blueprints, um, and it's uh, which is combining uh, um, overload methods. You know, I mean, how are you feeling? You're flawed after these triceps, uh, and you're not uh, even I'm, using equipment. I'm completely wrecked. You know, and I'm just yeah, I'm doing body weight. Um, it's just it's leveled me. It's uh, it, it, it's been very challenging, and it's gotten harder each week um, because the volume just adds up, which is the idea. Um, it's the whole idea, but I am so ready for a deload next week. It's, it's and, just murdered. And me. we've been training for years, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so here, the really important thing to understand is that we're going to talk about some really cool advanced stuff here. 
But that doesn't mean that it's right for you at, at your stage in training. Because remember, very importantly, excuse me, these um, progressive overload, overload methods need to stack one on top of the other. And the worst thing that you can do if you're a beginner or if you're a coach training a beginner is to give them the most exciting, shiny object too early, you know, because one, they're just, it's just going to blow them out. They're not going to have the training capacity to actually finish the workout lifting decent weight. And two, um, there's a very high risk of injury if you don't have the, the, the conditioning to handle it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, the, the, you know, the first step to introducing overload methods is those interset overload methods where we start to do supersets, tri-sets, uh, monster sets where it's four exercises together, um, giant sets where it's um, five or more exercises all stacked together. And you can do, there's so many different um, uh, options that you can do there. You can do all on the same muscle group. You can do opposing muscles. You can do opposing limb giant sets, uh, you know, all sorts of supersets, all sorts of stuff like that, depending on whether you're training for weight loss, strength, hypertrophy. Uh, really, the sky is the limit once you start to go down this path, if you understand uh, the basic principles. The second, or I would say the fourth step, so first step is technique optimization. Second step is to learn to use the basic uh, loading variables, sets, reps, tempo, uh, time under tension, recovery, all that sort of thing. Um, the fourth set, uh, the third is the interset, and the fourth step is intraset overload methods. Intraset overload methods, unlike interset, where it's on the set or exercise selection level where we pair them together, intraset is where we start to manipulate the variables, variables within the set. The most classic and my favorite example, and I know Rad and Richard use these a lot too, is pause reps. Uh, so we start to add a pause in the tempo. And you can see now, if you don't understand how to use tempo and you're not writing proper program cards, you won't be able to use this because you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not programming properly yet anyway, you know. But where you would add a pause is at the least advantageous point of the workout. Uh, so the most common is at the bottom of a squat or at the bottom of a bench press, you know, uh, at the top of a pull-up or chin-up where your chest is on the bar. And that adds a level of difficulty that is going to increase both intensity and volume because you'll most likely be um, putting more time under tension. Intraset overload methods, unlike interset overload methods that, that, that are more to um, enhance, uh, that are really there to enhance the efficiency of your workout so you get more done in less time, intraset are there to increase the intensity of the workout. And uh, they're a great way to bust through strength plateaus. Another really common one that we use, and you can explain how we use it to bridge the strength gap, is eccentrics. Yeah, absolutely. E look, um, eccentrics are just a phenomenal way of bridging a strength gap. It's my favorite way. There's, there's a lot of different ways to bridge the strength gap with movements. And I usually use them uh, for calisthenics specifically because with calisthenics, you only have leverage and exercise selection to manipulate intensity, which is, is hard to get everything right. You know, when you're lifting weights, um, you've got the weight to lift. So you, you can, can just reduce the weight. The weight. You yeah. just adjust the weight. Um, so, of course, there are weightlifting movements that are more challenging than others. And there's a certain order that things should go in. But it's very, very different with calisthenics training. And the jump from one movement to the next is often just far too great for somebody and eccentrics are a really really good way to bridge that gap because you're you have 150 percent 
uh, of your strength eccentrically than you do concentrically, roughly, which means roughly you can lift 50% more. If you could, um, if you could bench uh, 100 kilos um, it, for one rep and you couldn't do any more, you, like meaning you can grab the bar, bring it down to your chest and back up, you would most likely, if, some, if you unrack the bar, you'd be able to eccentrically control 150 kilos. You wouldn't be able to move it anywhere on the way up, but that's kind of how it works. So when you think about that analogy with calisthenics, the, the classic one, because it's the first calisthenics move that anybody should be working on if you can't yet do, is a pull-up. And a pull-up is, um, you know, for people that can do it, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's just like another exercise for you. It's not considered a hard movement at all, but if you can't do it, it's one of those things that's very, very frustrating for people because so many people can do it. So if you can't do pull-ups, eccentrics are an amazing way to be able to develop that pull-up strength because you still build strength doing the pull-up pattern that translates directly to a pull-up. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's why yep, we do it. Absolutely. And intraset overload, like uh, other examples of intraset overload variables, uh, methods, sorry, that we use are um, hybrid sets where you can, uh, you can mix a, a, um, a different rep type. So you can do the uh, um, concentric rep until you fail and then go to eccentrics and then go to pause reps. That would be considered a hybrid set. Uh, there's also mechanical drop sets where you adjust the posture or positioning of the body or leverage in calisthenics to make it a little bit easier so that you can then bust out a couple more reps to get the volume, the, the targeted volume. Um, but, you know, there's a comment here from Kumaran that's really, really important that I want to touch on. He says, yep, I'm still nowhere near that level for sure. I'm at a point where I feel like I could lift push more than I am, but it feels like I need more conditioning, trying to hard to avoid tendinopathy. What you've got to remember, and this is why progressive overload is so important in your training, uh, is that the tissues in your body are responding to the stimulus at different rates. The very first adaptation that occurs after a number of weeks is the, the nervous system. The central nervous system learns how to sequence and fire the muscles at the right rate, at the right uh, coordination. It learns how to uh, switch off opposing muscles so that all of the motor units are firing the correct muscle for the movement and you get strong you feel stronger uh, you feel like you can do the workout you feel like you can do the lift um, but nothing else has adapted yet and then a few short weeks later the muscle starts to adapt you have that um, cellular myogenesis the muscle protein synthesis the muscles start to become stronger more dense and you can um, you can actually move the weight you can move your body but what hasn't adapted yet and what's much, much slower is the tendons and the ligaments that join muscle to bone and bone to bone. They adapt much, much slower, six months uh, uh, down the track, you know. And this is why tendinopathy is so common in people who take up gym training uh, because you're, adapt you're, you're basing your workout load uh, on the adaptation that's occurring at the front end, at, at your nervous system and your muscles, which is usually between eight and 12 weeks. And so you keep lifting more, 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 and eventually you get tendinopathy because the tendons and ligaments haven't adapted yet. And uh, the final thing that adapts is bones. Bones take usually anywhere from 12 months onwards to adapt, you know? So you just gotta remember that there's so many reasons why progressive overload is important. And at the base level, it's to avoid injury because if you, if you base your workouts on the only the neural adaptation or even the neural and neuromuscular adaptation, then you will at some point end up with tendinopathy. It's, it's, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, and it goes back to the idea of people really just not understanding 
the process of how it goes. Like if you, I think that if you're going to take any, you know, whenever you hear a talk like this, like it's really important of, you know, what's the takeaway? What's the big takeaway for me? And I think the big takeaway for everybody is to understand two things. Where 99% of you should be spending your time. And I honestly would say that 99% of people that walk through our doors here uh, should be spending their time on technique optimization and the basics of uh, periodization, meaning understanding how to manipulate load, how to manipulate intensity, how to use, how to use tempo, how to use rest times effectively. It, like when you watch these the at-home workouts that we do or the follow-along workouts one of the like we've got people in our ums online coaching program who have been with us for six to eight 12 months a year and a half and they're doing the phase one workouts again because we've redone them and we had all these people saying oh but i've been here for months should i really be doing this and we kept saying to everybody we think you should we're not going to make you do it but we think you should because you're going to learn how to structure your workout in a way that you've never done before. Because what we've done is in the past is we've given you the tutorial, which means this is how you do a bench press, this is how you do a pancake stretch, this is how you do a bent over row, and you put it all into a workout and do it, but then you just go out and do your workout. Now that we've got the follow along workouts, it goes beyond that because it's press play and keep up with me, do what I do and do it as I do it. And so you, for the first time, you've got me talking in these voiceovers saying, Okay, control the eccentric, do this, now press up, and now the next rep. And we've got all these people that have been with us for a long time saying, oh my God, I can't believe how hard this is doing this phase one workout. Because what we're doing is we're dialing in the basics. We're making sure that people have the right technique, that they're doing the right tempo, and that they're taking the right amount of rest time to do things properly. And when you do that the right way, it is really challenging for the average person. Yeah. So... It's, a, it's really important, I think, that like you, you may have heard all of this. Don't make the mistake that we described in the start of this show and go away and say, oh, sweet, I'm going to start playing around with intraset overload methods and I'm going to figure out what in, interset overload method I'm going to use. Well, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'd, right. I mean, I'd, I'd be going away thinking, okay, what do I do with tempo in my workout? How do I manipulate tempo? Do I even understand how to do it? Yeah. Um, when we yeah. introduce our testing and people have to do a three or four second eccentric tempo for the very first time, strictly to a metronome, it usually blows most people out and they can't lift anywhere near what they're lifting. I love what Diane's saying here. Diane Norbury's a CrossFitter and she's, um, you know, she said she learned the CrossFit lesson the hard way, still doing it, loving it, but only after discovering Unity Gym and applying the lessons I have learned from all of you there. Uh, I I love CrossFit. I've never competed in CrossFit, but I look at CrossFit as a as a sport, as a, a as a competition, and I, very similar to uh, calisthenics. You know, if you go to a Cali Park and you show off to your mates and stuff like that, very similar to my old boxing or soccer or football. Will our gym manager plays rugby union? Um, I really think it's important. Uh, Phil says this. Our physio, uh, one of our physios from ADPT. Uh, physio uh, all the time it's important to have a way to demonstrate your uh, your physical attributes you know you come to the gym to train and then you have a way of expressing that somehow showing off have a play you know do some handstands do some cali do some crossfit you know um, go and have a throw down with some mates and do a mad wad uh, but you know 
as you as you probably learnt, Diane, and as we teach our tribe here, training and and throwing down are two entirely different things. And you can't do. And this is where CrossFit sort of mucked it up a bit when it first became popular. The idea of that throwdown wad, where you just go for it and smash out Irene or whatever workout you want to do. Um, the idea that you do that every single workout was challenged because it's just too crazy. It's too intense, and the body just can't really. It's like asking a professional football player to play football every day when they go, you know, without any in-between training and preparation. Like you've got to periodize your training, you prepare for competition. And now when you look at it, you know, very few of the, even the pro top level elite CrossFitters do that style of workout every single day. You know, they do much more specific training throughout the year and, and, uh, and, and it got cleaned up and, and, you know, the boxes that were just doing wads they all realized they just couldn't keep breaking people and and they started to do proper strength strength and conditioning and periodized programming and progressive overload and all these key things that uh that you you know you, you have to really do to, to to adapt and allow the body to go through those processes so let's say that you've ticked all the boxes you that we've said the first four boxes you've ticked number one which is optimize technique optimization you've ticked box two which is to learn to use basic loading variables uh sets reps, tempo, rest, recovery, and a good program split, program design, periodization, something that capitalizes on the 72-hour supercompensation adaptation curve, something that uh, is progressively overloading you using those variables, you're recording it. The next step, step three, is that you start to introduce or play with or experiment with interset overload variables. You start grouping some exercises together into supersets, into triceps, into giant sets, things like that to improve your workout efficiency, get more out of the time that you're spending training. Uh, and then you've progressed into starting to manipulate variables within the set and doing intraset overload methods where you might add on a, uh, you know, a, a, a slow, -y, super slow eccentric, or you might start doing um, pause reps, or you might start doing 21s or, or one and one quarter repetitions, uh, things like that. Uh, then the final frontier, the holy grail to strength training is the combined overload method where we start to actually combine those two together. We, we might do a tricep and on the last set, we do a 10 second eccentric for one rep or something like that. Or uh, we do a, a series of pause reps or something like that. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, very few people that I've ever trained have achieved this level of conditioning that you could throw this. And by the time, you know, someone achieves this, you know, as a good coach that they've, they've got a training age of probably two to five years. They've been training consistently for a long time. They're at the point where you can practically throw the kitchen sink at them and they'll grin and ask for more. And then you need to start getting really creative to continue that progressive overload, just like our coffee, you know, just like our caffeine junkies like myself, you have to, I have to have three coffees now before a workout to even feel anything, you know, uh, you get to a point in your training where you really can start to th uh, throw everything at yourself and you, and the results are diminishing, diminishing, diminishing return. And to get that real doms that you sort of have grown accustomed to and things like that, you really have to get creative. That's when you start to play with combined overload methods. And from this point on, this really, really the sky is the limit. There's so many different things that you can do to elicit a new response in the body to add volume, to up the intensity of the workouts, things like that, uh, that um, it, it becomes quite fun, you know. But I, I, I urge everyone that's that's uh, watching to make sure that, you know, you have checked all those boxes first um, because there's really 
no point getting there and and starting to throw together the, the world's best program for your client or for yourself if you ha if you haven't because you 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 one you won't get much out of the workout and two is a very high risk of injuring yourself or overdoing it you know and uh your client might think that you're the world's best program designer but um you know it's it's just it's just silly if you if you're throwing it at the wrong person if you're using it at the wrong time you know it's kind of mm -hmm. like uh uh using a a, a, a sh shooting a bazooka at a at a field mouse you know you <laughs> really just throw a rock at it and it'd, it'd work you know like yep. it, it's just silly yep yeah look guys i hope you got something out of that and if you're listening to this and you're wanting to know how do you do this stuff, how do you put it all together, how do you make it work for you, I'm telling you right now, grab the flash sale that we're going to put a link for in the description of this video. We always have a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked, money-back guarantee. That's our promise to you and our, our promise on delivering value is that we know that you're going to find value in this. And if you don't, for any reason, all you need to do is say, look, you know, it's not for me. I'd like to get my money back and we do it. No questions asked. So you've got absolutely nothing to lose. Grab the UMS phase one, see how to write, how good programs are written and learn how you can become strong, flexible and fit in under one hour every day, it, it, uh, one hour workouts. In fact, the way that we've written the program is it's fully customizable based on your um, commitment level. You can train as little as two days a week and as many as six days a week with the UMS. So grab it, see how we do it. And I promise it will be the most efficient, balanced workout you will find, yep. bar none. For sure. Thanks everyone, have a wonderful day. We're gonna jump over to our UMS online coaching weekly call. This is where we do the coaching calls for people subscribed to our UMS program. And uh, we'll see you all next week for our uh, next live podcast recording. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're gonna to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's gonna get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.